Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Armbar, better known as Batflips and Nerds, the baseball podcast with a British twist. And I am your host for this uh, special sort of World Series chat, but also there's some fun stuff to cover this week. I'm John McGee and alongside me uh, this week is my dear friend, Russell Eason. I'm uh, slightly worried, Russell, that this is going to be a bit like that photo that's been going around of Rob Manfred and Tony Clark from a couple of days ago where they're uh, you know <laughs> seemingly talking completely at cross purposes while Bob Nightingale and Barry Bloom from Sportico listen in um for the purposes of 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 this conversation I think uh, Barry Bloom is going to be played by Flora the Kitten uh, well, I don't know are, are you what did you make of that photo I thought it was uh, very amusing but a lot of people <laughs> reading far too much into it <laughs> Yeah, I think when you get that, most of the time when you talk about these individuals, you have no idea what they actually look like beyond their faces. Like, I have never seen a picture of them stood up together. I've seen (laughs) pictures of them maybe like side by side in negotiations or where they've had these kind of things come out, but I've never seen them stood up together. So to see the physical difference between the two individuals and to have Rob Manford maybe being the coward like smaller individual was was highly amusing obviously it's a photoshop that you can write whatever taglines you want especially with the the one of the guys looking in the background looking like the guy from saw so yeah, that's that's barry, that's barry bloom looking very much yeah. like the guy from saw yeah an unfortunate look for baz uh, yeah it, the other thing is uh, you, you may not have noticed this I, I mean i have because i i unfortunately have to see pictures of him rob banford looks really like my boss the director general of the bbc tim davey uh, and every time i see a picture of him i kind of kind of like in a baseball context i have to do a double take and be like why is tim davey at the world oh it's it's old bobby 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 man cheeks there and tony clark is massive right like of course he is you forget he is he is a professional baseball player he's a big dude yeah, it's it's a funny it's a funny picture. Uh, I I but you're right. I think it's a funny picture anyway. But dear old Bazza, <laughs> he makes it for me. Absolutely amazing. Look at his face, <laughs> just in the middle of the two of them there, bisecting them. Oh, it's a delight. There's lots of fun things like that. I guess that's it with the World Series. 
everyone being thrown together in this melting pot and everyone using the World Series as a hook upon which to uh, bring publicity upon themselves. It's uh, it's one of those weeks, isn't it? So we'll talk through some of those before we get onto the, the baseball itself, I think. So I've already I've already mentioned it. The, the arm barn, uh, for those of you who missed this, uh, Peter, the uh, uh, animal cruelty charity, has released a... Uh, an attention-seeking press release this afternoon, uh, suggesting that uh, bullpens are, are you know, in in cattle cattle rearing terms, quite cruel, and therefore we should uh, get rid of the name bullpen and uh, replace it with arm barn. And you know, obviously, this is a this is a fishing expedition that's getting rather a lot of bites in the corners of social media. One would highly anticipate that it would. I don't know about you, Russell. I'm a big fan of Arm Barn. I feel like this might not be its last run out on this podcast. <laughs> it's It's got that, it's not quite rhyming combo, if you know what I mean, the Arm Barn. It's kind of like you can, you can say it just kind of wrong enough that it, it has that rhyming element to it. And it is amusing to think about them all just being in a barn, like warming up. <laughs> Like throwing like against like a wall or something like that. How to get them all going? Or like the the catchers are in like a, one of the pens or whatever, and they're throwing from another pen. But they're all like penned, actually penned together. But like you say, it's it's trademark Peter stuff. I always remember half the time all the stuff they do about um, video games, where they always say like, "Oh, it's horrendous that you can kill animals in this video game," and it's they complained about one of the Assassin's Creed games once where you could kill animals. But the point is that. You were, if you killed them and you didn't skin them, the game would like tell you off. So the point was like when you killed them, you skinned them and then used like the meat and the cloth like the people did back at the time. So it was telling you kind of like how people behaved. And it was like, no, 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 you shouldn't do this. And it's like, it's talking about history. No, nowhere where I've read anything else or seen anything else or played a game about history has gone, you know what? I want to kill and skin a rabbit now because I've <laughs> done it in a video game. Like... Come on, boys and girls, there's far more atrocious things to be kind of getting at. And I think I've saw many a tweets of first thing's problem with baseball, second thing problem with baseball, third thing problem with baseball, 115,899th problem with baseball, bullpen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think as uh, when I shared this in our Backflips and Nerds chat this afternoon, Rob said, <laughs> uh, this is even too left wing for me. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's clearly completely ridiculous, but it's uh, it's got people rather vexed who should have, you know, paused to have a think. And the second thought should have been, yeah, but armband's quite cool. <laughs> it is it is what it is. It's the World Series, people. Folks are going to hang a load of old hokey rubbish off it, and it's just an example of that. So we're not going to be calling the uh, episode the arm barn, uh, I, I, sh- I should hasten to add. The other thing that, that's been interesting this week, and again has, has drawn a mixed reaction, has been um, Ken Rosenthal uh, during Game 2 of the World Series, the broadcast on Fox, uh, chose to wear a pair of stadium custom kicks, uh, designed by uh, the professional baseball player Alex Katz, who's in the Chicago Cubs. Uh, that's his his uh, his company, and they work very closely with our friends at More Than Baseball uh, to draw attention to the plight of minor leaguers. And Ken did, on the face of it, a really nice thing. He wore a pair of the custom cleats and raffled them 
he's raffled them off to raise a bit of money for more than baseball who do excellent work supporting minor league players helping them with housing uh with education etc etc uh but it's kind of drawn a bit of fire as well like a bit of a suggestion that you know firstly this is something that ken should not have to do like fundamentally agree with that and secondly that maybe he'd be better served drawing attention to this issue in different ways and uh, turning his guns back on his paymasters uh, in major league baseball which i found uh a rather literal reading of what he was trying to do, which I personally thought was quite a transgressive act. Yeah, I think you can come back and say it was fairly similar with Chialito, who was wearing shoes. Or many of the major league players this year have worn. Yeah, Alex uh, Alex cleats. Cora Alex Cora wore some in the ALCS. A lot, a lot of them have yeah. worn them. Yeah, yeah, they've several to these cleats, and I've seen these kind of things uh, posited like in all of those. It's like, well, you're actually in a position where you could do something bigger than this like it is great that you're doing this and i think we don't want to say that it's bad that they're actually helping doing these things for like minor league players it's it's fantastic but there there is that devil's advocate side where you are either a player or you are a coach or you are probably the most prominent media member or media person for this sport you could push this more if you wanted to and now it's it's not it's a really hard thing to do there like there's obviously everybody has the different interests that go across there but i think people enough people start to know about this now that you get that borderline of this isn't everything that you can do or this isn't the biggest thing that you can do so why aren't you doing that and it's i don't know if it's the right attitude to have when somebody is doing something to help but it's kind of you know you could do more it's a really <laughs> is a difficult position to be in. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I found some of the reaction a bit nebbish, if I'm being if I'm being brutally honest, because yeah. I think, you know, I, Ken is one of those people who you feel like you you just refer to him by his, by his, uh, by his first name, don't you, in, in baseball terms. I think he has done quite a lot this year. You know, maybe not as much as June Lee or, or Jeff Passan, or, or some of the some of the beat writers who have who have been covering this over the course of the year, or, or you know someone like Kieran Lovegrove, who's been very outspoken uh, as a player himself. But Ken Rosenthal has talked about this on his social media. He has written in depth pieces on the Athletic with with colleagues like Brit Gurley. He hasn't done nothing, and. I agree with you. Like we all agree, he should not need to be in a position where he's doing a raffle for a pair of trainers. Uh, it's it's crazy, uh, but I I kind of I thought good on him for doing it. I think it will raise them a lot of money. It's a really high profile thing, more than baseball. You know, it's a bootstrapped organization. All of the money goes to minor leaguers. We've had Jeremy Wolf on the podcast before. He runs um, more than baseball, so go and listen to that. And we've got uh, his partner in crime, Slade Heathcott, who runs more than baseball with Jeremy and also runs players to the planet as well coming on the podcast soon. Yeah. They do brilliant stuff. I'm delighted for them that Ken has drawn attention to their work on a national scale, raised a bit of money for them because they're great guys who do really, really good stuff. Um, but yeah, kind of, I, I found it a little bit of a shame that, that some people didn't just see it for what it was whilst I agree the commentary around this being necessary is in and of itself completely correct. 
I thought criticism yeah. of Ken was a little bit beyond the pale in the circumstances, frankly. I feel it's the, you could describe, uh, you could describe leftist, leftist politics like this very well, that like sure. you're attacking some, you're attacking somebody who's actually trying to do something instead of attacking the people that are trying, like not even trying to do something because they haven't done enough. Like yeah. that's, and so like, come on, let's, let's get the small steps and let's kind of get we're, ball rolling. We're like, not, it is a much, <laughs> we're not the people's front of Judea. We're the Judean people's front was how I kind of felt when I was reading some of those reactions. Splitters. <laughs> exactly. I don't think we should uh, spend any more time focusing on that. I believe that the, um, the raffle for Ken's cleats is still ongoing. You should uh, definitely go and uh, bung, bung a few dollars into that bucket and uh, you can get a 10 minute zoom call with Ken. I've had one of those, so I don't need it humble brag uh and it was almost just a bit over 10 minutes the podcast that ken did with us but you should go listen to it it was very nice um yeah uh what else have we got to talk about oh there's just this thing that got kind of leaked out today russell wasn't there this thing about some baseball some in some teams some coming to let some bloke sets i'm going to play the audio anyway if you've missed this here is sadiq khan the mayor of london on uh, TalkSport last week, talking to Will Gavin, a uh, friend of the podcast, Will Gavin. And this was also on the Gridiron podcast because he was speaking at uh, an NFL event uh, as part of the games that they did at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium last week. Um, so thank you very much to our friends at Gridiron for sharing the audio here. He is, uh, he is Sadiq Khan kind of accidentally saying something about baseball. I'm quite clear, you know, as a big sports fan and somebody who plays sports, I want London to be the sporting capital of uh, the world. Uh, we've got Wimbledon, uh, we've got you know, the FA Cup final, we've got uh, football taking place on a regular basis, six Premier League clubs, we've got Lords and Oval, we've had Championship cricket, we've had the World Cup final in taking place in London in cricket, we have a, on a regular basis Rugby League finals, we've got one taking place next year. Uh, we've got great events taking place, Major League Baseball coming back to London next year. We saw the Red Sox and the Yankees previously in uh, London. Okay, so you heard what the man said. We had the Yankees and we had the Red Sox and, and they're coming again next year. Not necessarily those teams, but Major League Baseball is back next year as part of me, Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, making London the city of sport, the global city of sport. Um, I think he's been a bit of a naughty boy, Russell, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> is he going to collapse the CBA? Is that what Rob Manfred and Tony Clark are talking about on the field at Minute Maid Park earlier this week? Have you heard the bloody Gridiron podcast? Did you hear, what, did you hear that there? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think the simplistic point to start off with is he most definitely has been a naughty boy because the CBA between the league and the Players Association has not been signed off for the next three to five years or whatever they choose yet. So we have no idea how many games are going to be played internationally by who, where, when or why. There may be lots of things in the works to make sure that these sorts of things happen. And you would obviously have to plan these things in advance if you think that it was going to happen. But none of this has been agreed. So, and actually we already have the 2022 schedules out for all of the teams and it ain't in there the same way it was in for the teams in 2019 and this was going to be in there for 2020 mm -hmm. so i don't want to be like the party pooper here but we have to temper some excitement here like i think what i would read out of this is that it's definitely not it's more than likely going to come back to london i think next year is 
maybe the point that might be incorrect and it might be the year afterwards just because of CBA complications it, it, by the way, not did, wanting I, to mess around with. Obviously, like we shouldn't read too much into this because he yeah. did. He was talking in the context of NFL and international athletics and so on, and it's just a thing that came out of his mouth, and he probably got a slap yeah. on the wrist from his aides as soon as he'd said it. He didn't say games, which you know oh. doesn't mean there couldn't be something next year. I'm not going to speculate on what we we've got no inside information, but you yeah. know I think it's fair to say you know we know people in in the office in London they really thought the event in 2019 was a massive soar away success. I don't think anyone's disagreeing. I think that their peers in New York thought exactly the same. And I think all parties parties are very keen for them to come back to London and to Europe, in fact, at some point. So um, yeah, we'll see, but nothing, nothing is, uh, nothing is real and announced until it's real and announced. I mean, we, we had quite a lot of little, you know, leaks and gobbits of information last time around, but it wasn't real and official until Tom Pringle was asking Rob Manfred a question, was it? <laughs> yeah, until you boys were uh, at, a, at a press conference, which being like, oh, it's just the leading baseball pod- uh, like news site and podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it was just Tom, actually. Uh, and he, I think, was there because he was the only person invited who knew anything about baseball. Um, he was literally... <laughs> teaching people from the Daily Mirror and the Daily Express about what the game was and who the teams were. So yeah, exciting potentially. Uh, yeah, go and uh, go and there's a bit more information on our, on our site. Uh, we're obviously very excited. We've got no inside information about whether it's true or not true, um, except that, you know, our friends in the office have said before they really, really want to come back. Um, maybe Sadiq Khan knows more than we do. He would be an important person in this process. You know, he does pretty much have the keys to that stadium to let them back in. So one would anticipate that were this going to be a thing, he'd be involved in those conversations. So, um, yeah, be not wrong, Russell. It's been a it's been a naughty boy. <laughs> but what? But watch this space. I think. <laughs> yeah, you're like I think. And if my politicians are going to be a naughty boy, I think this is the way that I might prefer them being a naughty boy. <laughs> Yeah, this is not a this is not a <laughs> UK parliamentary budget uh, pork barreling podcast. Uh, uh, not my not the views of the BBC, everybody. Uh, nor indeed not mine. The views Just, of Facebook. <laughs> yeah, meta, mate, meta. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the World Series in a second, but before we get onto that, I, they, I, I don't know if you'd spotted this news today. Uh, there was a big trade in uh, in Lidom, the Dominican Republic Winter League, uh, just yesterday uh, between the Gigantes of Chibao and uh, the Leones Escogido, one of the, the two clubs that play in uh, in the capital of the Dominican Republic, and it involved uh, one 41-year-old slugger, um, Albert Pujols. Uh, he was traded for a couple of players yesterday. His rights were acquired by Escajido. And the suggestion very much is that he is going to be on the roster tomorrow, making his uh, debut as a legend of Dominican baseball in Lidon at the age of 41. Almost as though he's on a retirement tour, Russell, isn't it? Uh, but absolutely wonderful. <laughs> I'm so excited to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those weird ones because you're starting off, it takes a bit of mental gymnastics to go, wait, how can he be traded if he's never played 
like in the league at any point. Obviously, there are rights acquiring things that go on here with with some of these teams and how things work. So it's uh, it's quite a, quite an amusing thing to go through. But from from everything that we've seen or everything that I've read, it, it's not just a a little farewell tour where he's going to turn up and demand gifts from all of the the Dominican League teams for. Uh, probably increasing their ticket sales by 40 percent <laughs> if that's possible those games yeah. are pretty stacked they'd, they'd like, be sold out anyway it's first. yeah it's just people who yeah. like uh get in through the back gate <laughs> yeah but no he, he very much looks like he's he wants to continue to play baseball at a serious level he kind of mentioned it towards the the end of the season and the postseason that he's not thinking about retiring so yeah we'll see what happens like if he goes out and rakes in lead on then we can go like, what's the second half of the season, Pujols? Actually, like, did LA, did the, sorry, did LA, did the Dodgers work out something <laughs> to do with Pujols and got him kind of slightly fixed? Or was this just uh, a short little hurrah? But it, it, it's going to be hilarious, like, no matter what happens. Like, he's either, either he's going to just rake or there are going to be some, like, 18-year-old Dominican kids who are going to have the story of their life for uh, Kaying. Pujols. Yeah, it's going to be like, you know, like Pat Light, the former Red Sox and Twins reliever who played about four games, who just like, who now posts memes on, on Instagram about how he never meets anyone without telling them that he struck out Mike Trout. Uh, it's going to, that's going to be a bunch of lead on, lead on lifers who are going to be talking about that. I, I genuinely cannot wait to see the first, because he's going to be teammates with uh, a, a, a friend of the podcast, one of our absolute all-time favourites, uh, Fernando Rodney, uh, who they've got a combined age of, I think it's 82. Uh, amazing. <laughs> Just so, so good. I love that league so much, like where you've got like Ronnie Mauricio and Marco Luciano playing, you know, 18-year-old studs. And then you've got like Hanley Ramirez. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, and... What people should be aware is that if you have an MLB TV subscription, the lead on's on that this year, isn't it, John? It is. It is. I'm very excited. I didn't. I was waiting for my email from DR Sports. Ah, lead on's back. I was just going to be like, yes, you know, there you go. That's how I'm going to be doing my working from home for the next three months. The days that I'm not in the office, I'm going to be, you know, tapping into a bit of lead on and uh, seeing, you know, getting the uh, Presidente beer jingle stuck in my head for the next six months as if it wasn't already. <laughs> yeah, it's on MLB TV this year. So I don't think we'll get the Presidente jingle. We'll get the bloody rally bird instead. And it's half of the fun, to be brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've we've talked long enough about Flotsam and Jetsam. Let's talk about uh, you know the the big show in town, uh, the World Series, uh, which as we record stands at one game apiece between the Houston Astros of the American League and the Atlanta Braves of the National League, and it's been you know two pretty lopsided games where uh, the offense has got on top of. Uh, uncharacteristically shaky pitching performances uh, in game one from Frambo Valdez of the Astros and in game two from Max Fried of the Braves, Russell, hasn't it? It's been, uh, yeah, uh, uh, sort of as, as, as anticipated, but maybe not so much in terms of those, those were potentially two of the players who we, who we thought would be more solid on the pitching side of things. So, 
there's yeah. probably going to be more of this. We, we'll talk about yeah. Charlie Morton in a minute, by the way, because that, that feels like it needs its own, uh, its own bullet point. I think we're at this point now where the performance of the starters is almost the, one of the main talking points of the postseason now. Where everybody's kind of, there's been a lot about going, the fact that the starters aren't going long and kind of so much relief is happening and it's slowing the game down. The thing is, in most regard, this isn't like Blake Snell being pulled after like five innings and no and like no runs. Most of the time, there's been some pretty awful pitching performances and people have been pulled because, you know what? It was bad and mm. it was probably like the right idea to get them out and to go into the... None of these managers are hoping that their starter gives up like five runs before the end of the third and goes like, well crap I've got to now pull them and put somebody else in like that's not what they want they still want minimum like twice through the order which would hopefully be getting you into the fifth or sixth inning so Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli I guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And yeah, we're seeing just like either a couple of innings or just these one-off things that are, that are getting wrong. And it's going to be the story point because Max Fried was probably the best pitcher in baseball for like the last few months of mm. the season. And now his postseason stats are something like 0 for 2 and a 10 ERA. So yeah, and Frambo Fram- Valdez has been, you know, to, 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 to all intents and purposes, the ace of that Astro stuff. And he, he completely laid an egg. He was, he was, <laughs> he was useless. Uh, and, you know, this is the funny thing. It's, I mean, it's interesting that you brought that up. I was going to bring that up myself, that there's always a narrative around the postseason every year. And, and, you know, I think since what happened with Blake Snell in the world series last year, it has felt sort of inevitable that the the mechanization of pitching changes for once for better description has become something that certain parts of uh, the baseball commentary are felt absolutely desperate to talk about. And some of the things that have been done in this postseason, you know, uh, the Corey Knable opener, uh, Max Scherzer coming out of the bullpen and being unable to, to, to start on his usual day has sort of been grist to the mill of people who want to talk about this. But the truth is, as you have said, it's not that, right? There are examples of that, but people are essentially barking up the wrong tree if they want to have a go at analytical management and, you know, managers being dictated from from front offices because that is not the problem here. The problem is far more likely that um, either just these these players have coincidentally had a bad day and it's happened a lot or they're knackered, right? They played a 60 game season last year. It's not the same. Yeah. And that's the, and that's a key point. We are once again in an unprecedented time in baseball. I know we talked about it a lot during the last season, but there are pitchers now that have pitched a hundred plus innings. There's multiple pitchers on the starting teams who have now pitched hundred more innings this year than they did last year. And 
the strain and demand is something that we just don't know how this will affect like major league players. This is something we talk about when you bring a young player up through the system, but they will struggle to get to the demand of pitching 180, 200 innings in a season, because that's not something that they've done throughout like the minor system. So we're at that same point now, but for pitchers who could do it before, but they didn't have that workload last year. So like, obviously like, the Dodgers aren't there, but like Urias has had something like 130 innings pitched more than he had last season, if you include like the postseason. It's completely utterly out of their way. So it wouldn't be surprising if some of these guys are knackered. Obviously, like they're facing against some of the best hitters in the game. I think people forget that every single time that we get into like the postseason, like you are on going to be facing better hitters on average. Yes, you're going to be facing better pitchers on average in the reverse. And you should think that it kind of works for the counter, but like the Houston Astros are one of the better hitting teams. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And it's it's deep. Like it goes like all the way to like seven and you'll be like, what, how on earth is this person batting seventh? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the only bad hitter on their team is Maldonado, right? He is bad, but the rest of them are very good, like not even above average, very good, like in the sort of uh, upper twin, upper, upper sort of quintile for, for, for their position in, in baseball. If you think the, the lineup yesterday had the AL batting champion in seventh. He went Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Alvarez, Correa, Tucker, and then Guriel. And you're, I'm sat there going, I don't know if I would change that. <laughs> there is a maybe you could mess around with it. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. I think it's a good way of saying it. But yeah, we've had two games where teams have got on top and both teams have managed to hold on to it with their bullpen. So. Yeah, and these we'll are good. These go. are good bullpens, right? These are two of the best bullpens in baseball. One's got yeah. big nuts. The other's got, you know, I don't know. What's the? What would you say for Houston? <laughs> what's the equivalent? I don't know. I, I, I dread to think. Uh, yeah, I, I I find some of the eye wash around not liking this version of the game just pretty extraordinary. You know, Aussie Albers won every Albies won everyone a free taco. What more do you want? You know, stolen base. Yeah. Did more for Major League Baseball for helping out minor leaguers, didn't he? I enjoyed that line, Russell. Yes, look, Russell <laughs> sent us that and we all had a chuckle. And uh, now he said it out loud. <laughs> Nothing like a recycled joke, but I'm going to pretend that it's the first time I heard it. <laughs> Adam Duval! He's <laughs> uh, also had a, an amazing, uh, well, game one anyway. It had to be. Uh, I knew that Adam Duval was having a good series because uh, not because I checked the box scores, but because all over my timeline was uh, our dear and great friend Peter Pratt making, well, you know, as his name would give you of himself uh, about Adam Duval when he was back on the Marlins earlier in the year. Uh, I, I love that that's become. Uh, an internet baseball meme, uh, that man running around his back garden uh, on a sunny summer day in Leeds, shouting about Adam Duval. Uh, he's been absolutely extraordinary since he went to Atlanta, hasn't he? He was not too bad at the Marlins either. Oh, he was it's, good. <laughs> I think, and this is the thing like we need to, I think we need to we talk about. Like, we we actually said that we thought the Braves would beat the, the Brewers, which 
was against conventional wisdom if, if we looked at quite a lot of what other people resulted. I had a quick check and the Fangraphs, 28 writers, only two of them had the Braves beating the Brewers, which was, wow. as he tells you like how, how much of a swing that was. But I, I think we need to give Atlanta a lot of credit for actually sticking with it. I know we discussed this in the, in the previous podcast that there was the weekend in New York where they could have stuck or twist and basically sold everybody or bought everybody. But they've done that, put a team together that then actually works. Because it's not an easy thing to do to then bring in all of these players and actually get it to work. But they've done that. And yeah, we, we just get to have the wonderful conversations of how hot is Eddie Rosario now? Because he's now the new Kike Hernandez, where we talk about him being amazing until he isn't amazing. And guess what? He's had... He, he did well on the in game one, but then went over four with the strikeout in game two. So is he hot? Like, <laughs> who knows? Uh, but yeah, it's this stuff's been like fantastic to watch. I've I've watched a little bit of like extended highlights to try and actually kind of see what some of the discussion in the games have been. And I just hear a rod and then I need to turn it back off again <laughs> because because I, I I watched about 30 minutes of live thing for game one i've watched the highlights and a few other things but i watched like 30 minutes live and in that 30 minutes he mentioned that the houston astros struggle against left-handed hitters or left-handed pitchers Mejon, may i ask you where do you think the houston astros sit amongst teams against left-handed pitchers this I'm gonna, year i'm gonna assume it's first russell it um, is first john <laughs> <laughs> the way that you it's something like... in the way that you asked me there uh, suggested that you were setting me up. By by the way, we've had quite a lot of feedback on my choice of a rod in, in my uh, for a London series this afternoon. And obviously, we're not we're not short of pictures of of London, you know, inside the stadium, the games that were played there. Indeed, that I I do have somewhere uh, in our inventory a picture of said Sadiq Khan throwing out first pitch in a Mets jersey. Uh, but I just saw that picture of A-Rod and it, he just looks like such an idiot. It made me laugh. So I used that one. Um, anyway, a, 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 always a digression into the, the life and times of baseball's weirdest man. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, 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 the other thing I saw today, so you, you touched on this a bit about everyone underestimating Atlanta somewhat. Now, I, I saw a quote from John Shireholds, um, the owner of the the Atlanta baseball team, as Bob Nightingale now calls them, and maybe we should too, uh, that Alex Anthopoulos... Had... Surely, surely we need to go whole hog then, and it's the Cobb County... Cobb, Cobb County baseball team. Now, Alex Anthopoulos had like an absolute slam dunk in, in terms of those outfield trades. You know, Rosario, Duval, and, and Peterson have been the stars of, of the postseason. And, you know, that guy had a reputation for being, you know... You know, a guy who took big swings. You know, think about the David Price trade, the Troy Tulowitzki trade. We maybe should have seen some of this coming. Like, this is what he does. Yeah, I think that this generation trade, and I, this and generation's watched, Dombrowski, right? Isn't he? Yeah, but I, I watched Rosario play for Cleveland for most of the first half of the season, He's been and awful. I was like, I have no idea why you're adding him. Also, why do we just take Pablo Sandoval and then immediately D, uh, DFA him? Oh, wait, it was to get rid of the six million for Eddie Rosario's contract. That's what the Domes do. <laughs> I've watched Soler play a reasonable amount for Kansas because 
it's the same division. I watched a few of those games. He'd been awful. Mm. And he just about like started to tick back up slightly towards the end for candidates. But like he was they were putting him down in like the bottom of the order is the DH. And that's not a good sign when you're a power hitting DH. If you told me that he was gonna be hitting a leadoff home run on game one of the World Series, I would have gone like, what on earth has gone on here? Because A, there's no way Kansas were making it to the World Series. So it was who bought him and who puts Soler as a leadoff hitter? It's just it's just not it's just remarkable. And yeah, he's taken, like you say, Anthopolis has done great things in the past. And this is a really big single spin moment because you could have said they went for it and they could have ended up like 10 games behind the Mets or the Philadelphia if either of them had worked out how to not lose games. So <laughs> if either of them had worked out how to put a team together, like then the Braves probably wouldn't have made it into the postseason. So yeah, it's it's a great way of doing things. And you can look at this Braves team and go, there are they stand a chance. They definitely stand a chance because the Astros are not at full strength when it comes to pitching now with the loss of like the colors, but now the Braves aren't at full strength of pitching when it comes to the fact that Charlie Morton broke his leg and then still pitched, which I just 16, do not 16 understand. Pitches, 16 pitches. I do not, I don't know how low level of like a hairline fracture like this actually was because I think everything it says that he's going to be ready for next season, so it can't have been like a horrific leg break. But how on earth do you do that sort of thing? Like, I remember like messing up a metatarsal playing a football match and I was like hobbling around instantaneously like 30 seconds later <laughs> so the either the adrenaline that goes through these players that they can continue to kind of to do this without either the feel or he felt it was a bit funny but he was still just like I'm going to give it my all I, I just the mental fortitude and mindset that Charlie Morton has is ridiculous yeah it's absolutely ridiculous it's it's crazy like I don't know, I don't know what award you can give Charlie Morton for doing that, but it's you know up there with uh, the uh, commissioner dildo that uh, Atani got earlier this week, which is a very unfortunately shaped award given uh, given given the prestige that goes with it. Yeah, unbelievable stuff from Charlie Morton. I have to say, just extraordinary. Like he doesn't even look like he's wincing. You know, like I, this is this is obviously a macho sport. I always I always feel like I need to wince on behalf of guys who are hit by pitches whilst they're there just feigning as though, you know, tis just a scratch. But yeah, Charlie Morton, that must have been hurting. He was saying he could barely walk, um, but he could pull down and land on his foot. But then he's like fielding his position as well. I was like, I, like I'm, I, I'm, I was almost in agony by proxy watching it. Yeah, um, but yeah, they're going to miss him. He's going to be uh, a, an enormous miss for them. Although Ian Anderson goes in the next game. Of course, we've got to mention Ian Anderson, otherwise we'll get our wrists tapped by our friend Bob from Braves UK. Uh, and that's that's a good matchup for them. Um, you know, taking it back to Cobb County, they could be the first uh, team to win on home soil still uh, for, I think it's quite it's quite a long time, isn't it? Well, the Astros um, won last night. Didn't oh they? yeah, last time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, but no, but like they could win the World Series on on home. Oh yeah, if they win the next three games, um, which is the first yeah. would be the first time for quite a while that that's happened. So yeah, it's um, it's all set and all square. And I honestly, I I still think you know I'm shading towards the Astros, but I 
I genuinely didn't think the 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 Braves stood a hype in in hell. Uh, or you know a soft serve ice cream in hell perhaps <laughs> I should say after James Wagner's extraordinarily fun piece about how a soft serve ice cream uh, machine turned around the brave season I'm not quite sure that's true but it certainly seems to have done an awful lot of good for clubhouse chemistry and it's definitely worth a read um but yeah uh what about you do you do you feel uh, it feels like the Morton thing it it kind of tips them it makes it easier for me to say I think the I think the Astros are just going to win now. What about you? Yeah, I, I think it makes this game massively important hmm. for Atlanta because most team, most of these teams are going to go with head in there with three starting pitchers. They're probably going to do a bullpen day for game four and then go back to your three starting pitchers for the rest. Yeah, They don't have Morton for game four now. So, or even for game five or game four, he could have done it on short rest. So they're going to potentially have to do back-to-back bullpen days on four and five or bring in Freed early for, for game five after a not an amazing performance. And one which he still went a few innings. Like, he wasn't pulled after... I feel like if he was pulled after, like, that second innings when he wasn't going well, then you could have... You may have taxed the bullpen harder for that game. But it's, but a, knock on, it's, been... a, it's a knock-on, isn't it, right? Because Morton only pinched, pitched... was it, it was two innings, right? And then yeah. they had to go to the bullpen. And... That's probably why they had to leave Freed out there for longer than they might have liked last night. Like you, you yeah. can't you can't short hook every day. Like Tyler Tyler Matzek might be, you know, in the form of his life. By the way, former indie ball player as recently as 2019. Incredible story. Um, so many of those in this World Series. But you know, he can't do that every day. He can't pitch at that level every day. AJ Minter can't pitch at that level every day. Will Smith can't pitch at that level every day. It's just not possible. It's not physically possible, except if you're Joe Kelly in the 2018 World Series. Um, yeah. But yeah, so this- I, I, the Morton thing, it hurts on two fronts because one, they don't have Morton and two, the bullpen is more knackered. Yeah, Morton would have provided innings in four and potentially seven. So you could have got, you're missing anywhere between six to 10 innings now that you're going to have to look to pick up elsewhere. And when you start to look further down that roster and some of the pitches, when you see Chavez or Martin or Smiley, they're guys that could give you those innings, but they don't, they don't strike you with like, yeah, this is, these are going to be dominating guys that are going to get me what I want. Like, So it, it is hard to look beyond the Astros, but the Astros have the same issue that, well, they're taking in turns with their pitchers for which ones actually turn up and which ones give up a give up a rather large kind of a, an orange, as they would say, in the in the CPBL. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still have to shade the Astros. I think they do have the better lineup, and I think... Atlanta may have had the better starting pitching, but it's now drifted back to being a more neutral, if not slightly in the favour of Houston. So that goes down. If Astros win tonight, or sorry, tonight on Friday, if they win game three, it's really going to be a struggle for Atlanta to break it back. They need to kind of get that game and then almost maybe, I don't want to say sacrifice the other two games to then line up their pitchers, but you'll never do that. You'll never sacrifice two games in the World Series, but they'll just do what they can to kind of lead themselves in a good position for like those last two games, knowing that like it will, it will go the whole way. So. Yeah. There's a, there's a bit of it. They still feels like there's an element of a team of destiny feel about the Braves. 
So they might be able to just muddle on through, you know, we've seen, but we've seen so many of those over the course of the last 10 years or so, you know, the Giants, the Royals, uh, the, the Nationals, obviously. Like maybe, I know momentum in baseball is, is, a, is a fungible thing. Is it, is it real? Is it not? It's not really, no. but, you know, camaraderie and, yeah, t- you know, team, team morale and team feel absolutely is and there's plenty of that to go around but it does sort of feel like the Astros are a bit too much of a impenetrable object and an immovable force uh it still feels like yeah it's going to be it's going to be a tough tough ask and uh you know I'd, I'd rather be me than Ian Anderson today put it that way I'd be in Anderson every day of the week, <laughs> pitching in a World Series at home, like in. Yeah, but this, uh, uh, yeah, uh, all right, Russell, fine. You know, you, I am a bottle job. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ashamed <laughs> to admit it. Absolute bottle job. Yeah, if you go out and beat the first player, what's the what's the worst that can happen? You could start one of the greatest fights we've seen in in Major League history if you knock down the first three batters, John. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't even think it'd be that good. I mean, I'd be lucky if they'd let me be a bat boy in the World Series. Be like the oldest bat boy of all time as well. Uh, <laughs> pushing 40. Here he is. I let, yeah, I, I let him have a little go. Uh, so, yeah, what, what do you reckon? What's your, what's your, I know we've done pretty appallingly on predictions. I, I'm going to go for two Astros. I think that they've got too much. I said, said for two, like in my head beforehand. I always think... Going to seven is is really not actually likely. Um, where we're set, I think, is the Astros do have the favour. I if, when you've got players, I don't. It's really hard to talk about like postseason form and how players have actually done it before makes a difference. I'm not certain if like if it makes much of a difference analytically, but from a position of if they get behind in games, I think that the Astros players have been there, done that, got the t-shirt, can keep the right mentality to kind of to continue to go on. There are some players on that on the Atlanta team who will probably have the same, but I just don't quite think it's at the same level. Like Altuve hit his 22nd home run in postseason, in the postseason to be tied second in in, in all time. So it's well, I think the, what one that is ridiculous. Two, there should definitely be a bloody asterisk next to that because I reckon about 17 of them have gone into that flipping rinky-dink porch, which is not, <laughs> not, well, a, is... It's not a real home run, everyone. Anyway, look, I, I feel like we can says, talk... Says the man who, who supports a team who smacks things over the green monster. It's like, ah. or into the short porch on the other side. It's, it's like, every, every stadium has their quirk. And the Crawford boxes, I think they... Probably should be renaming after Altuve, but they definitely in the should. I feel like that is something that might happen in our lifetime, uh, which would be a fitting tribute to an extraordinary baseball player. Uh, whatever you think about uh, what's gone before, Russ, I think that we're. I think we're done. I think. Uh, I think we've talked enough World Series. We've definitely talked enough Arm Barn for a lifetime. Um, so we'll wrap it up there. Uh, if anyone wants to. Uh, follow your musings on A-Rod and anything else over the course of the next week or so. Where, where might they find that? Uh, that'll be at Eason on Twitter. And yes, that, I think it's that. Mainly random stats. Finding yeah. some interesting things about Otani and, all the, and everything else. 
a lot of random stats and you can you can follow my personal twitter if you like but all the baseball verbiage is uh, at batflips underscore nerds and you know we'll be back next week uh probably to wrap up the world series and, and thereafter to do some end of season awards we've been uh, thinking about some creative ways we can talk about the season uh in in a slightly different way than uh, the normal baseball awards and just worth saying at this point that we're we're not going to wrap up for the off season there's going to be i hope a few fun and interesting podcasts in the pipeline uh, i've got a few in the works i don't want to give too much away because last time i did that on our last episode <laughs> One ended up falling through, although I think we're going to revisit that one in the off-season too. Um, so yeah, watch this space. Some really interesting and exciting people from baseball, commentators, players, journos, etc. Uh, are going to be joining us over the course of the off-season. So it's a good time to be tuning in and subscribing. So make sure you do that and please go and rate us on iTunes five stars. It does help people find the podcast. It really genuinely does boost us on the algorithm. That'd be really kind of you. Thank you so, so much for joining us uh, this sunny Friday, Thursday, whichever day you're listening to this. In October and we'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>